Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Georgetown The Free Festival 2021 um, here in Georgetown, Penang. But of course, because of the pandemic, um, we're coming in at, to you through various online facilities. And uh, I'm here, Vernon Adrian Emong, um, helping to uh, to help to helping to moderate a session between two writers who've just recently re uh, released um, copies of their anthologies of short stories. Um, uh, and this room is entitled "Doors of Perception: Writing the Psyche and Social Self." And the writers I have with me today is Danielle Lim and Paul Nyana Selvam. Okay, both of their short story collections were recently published by Penguin Southeast Asia. And Danielle's book just won Best Literary Work and Book of the Year at the Singapore Book Awards 2021. We are going to uh, find out from them, uh, you know, how they actually work uh, in terms of their writings, uh, uh, their short stories, how it opens up our perception to the inner workings of the psyche and reveal how the self is shaped by social forces. First of all, I'd like to read the bios of my two guests, Daniel Lim's first book, The Sound of SCH, A Mental Breakdown, A Life Journey, was co-winner of the Singapore Literature Prize 2016 Nonfiction. The memoir has been translated into Chinese and published in Taiwan, as well as translated into Tamil and published in India. Her second book, Trafalgar Sunrise, a novel exploring SARS and leprosy was published in 2018 and was a finalist in the Singapore Book Awards 2019 for Best Literary Work. Danielle graduated from the University of Oxford and is based in Singapore, where she is a lecturer at the Nanyang Polytechnic and Republic Polytechnic. And also Danielle's um, book that we are featuring in the festival, the launch of her re re recent anthology, um, this uh, um, uh, and softly go the crossings uh, is was recently awarded book of the year as well as best literary work at the recent Singapore Book Awards. Um, the other guest, my other guest, is Paul Nyana Selvam, who is an Ipoh-born writer and poet whose works often focuses on the experiences, issues, and identity conflicts of those in the Indian diaspora. Writing since 2006, he has published both locally and internationally in anthologies, literary journals, and e-magazines. His first collection of short stories, a mixed bag of themes on the slice-of-life stories of Malaysian Indians, was published in 2013. He currently teaches writing while undertaking research on instructional communication and, and second-language writing in higher education at University Tuanku Abdul Rahman in Kampa, West Malaysia. Welcome, Danielle and Paul. Thank you, Vernon. Thank you. Okay, I'd like to start with Danielle. Um, in fact, no, I'd like to start with the both of you. Do you guys know what your MBTI result is? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Danielle? Uh, yes, I did the MBTI a uh, couple of years back. Uh, definitely introvert. You're an introvert. Okay. And yes. uh, do you know the 16 personalities a study? Which one might you be? Are you familiar with that? Uh, the 16 personalities? I, it was the I and something. Yeah. Oh, the, the four alphabets, is it? Yes. Yeah, correct. Um, I have it somewhere. I think it's, it's okay. I and 
Mm-hmm. I am something. <laughs> I forgot the okay. last two. So you're intuitive yeah. as well. Okay. Yes. Uh, and Paul, what about yourself? Introvert or extrovert? I think it depends on the context and the situation. Okay. Right. Um, I can be very quiet. But if the situation demands, I can be an extrovert. Um, but I don't know. Um, the test that you're talking about, I've not done those tests and all that. Okay. But no worries. Be, just just a... I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm somewhere in between. Okay. So as a writer, okay, and, and the stuff that the both of you write in terms of the sense of identity and the kinds of relationships that go on in the milieu of life, um, how do you actually begin um, writing your stories in terms of, uh, yeah, what usually prompts you? I think um, it, it's really what jumps out at me sometimes, you know, when you observe something, uh, there's a certain right. problem. So, so, for example, uh, my first book was on mental illness and this, this was written yes. like seven years, it was published seven years ago when nobody wanted to talk about mental illness. But it, uh, because my uncle had uh, schizophrenia and I lived uh, my uh, growing up years witnessing how difficult it can be. And so I felt that for that, uh, a memoir, to, so that people know it's, it's a true story. Uh, so my short stories in Softly Go to Crossings uh, was written over many years. So at different points in time, uh, when... For example, I realized how uh, how difficult sometimes the parent-child relationship can be. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. something I, I probed in yes. Hongi, one of the stories. Um, even re- you know relationship problems uh, or certain social issues, economic issues. So I have a story on uh, the Lehman uh, crisis in two thousand and eight and how elderly couples uh, lost their life savings, or mm-hmm. even how difficult losing a job can be. So one of the short stories, it's called Nothing to Lose. It's really about what happens inside, you know, in, in our psyche when uh, we lose a job. Okay, yeah, there is a lot of that happening in all your stories, right, um, Danielle? Um, as yeah. I mentioned earlier, it was described as a quiet book by, by Straits Times. Um, and it was seen to point out, you know, y- y- your stories are, are more attentive to unseen changes that goes on in the psyche of the person um, yes. that affects then how they react and behave. And, and that's, a, you know, yeah. So, so the thing about it is that it has a way of drawing you into the minds and headspaces of your characters, Okay. How does that actually make you feel uh, when you're writing the book? Of course, you step into their shoes and you, yeah, what, what exactly goes on in your mind? Do you see the whole environment before you or, and you let it, you know, flow? Uh, I think it's different for different stories. Mm-hmm. So some stories, uh, having gone through some uh, life experiences, you kind of, you know, you have a certain uh, sense of, okay, how difficult this situation must have been. Right. For some other stories, it's, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, observing people, talking to people, and then, yes, trying to 
uh, step out and, and step into uh, what goes on and inside. And I, I think that it's actually so important for us to pay more attention to these unseen changes because uh, if we don't, uh, very often, you know, relationships crumble or we get mental health problems and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Paul, what prompts you to explore a particular plot line or story? Okay, um, I am pretty much influenced by the works of K.S. Maniam. And uh, K.S. Maniam was one of the most prolific writers in Malaysia about identity and being Indian and being caught in the wave of migration and so on. So when we did his text in a far country in UKM, I think that was year 1996. And it was an eye-opener for me because I've never seen myself as Indian or an Indian Malaysian until... I came into contact with uh, K.S. Maniam. I never thought about India. I never thought about migration. I simply did not have those words in my psyche. Now, um, right. so, so reading that text and working on that text actually opened up the channels of diaspora for me and kind of it placed me on a location on my own individual diaspora. My grandparents both came from India, from Tirunelveli. Until then, those names, those processes never meant anything for me. And I've had friends who were coming from the estates in the UKM. Until then, it never striked anything in me until this whole thing about diaspora was opened up. It's like looking up to the sky and looking at the stars. So K.S. Maniam did that for me. And one of his profound articles that he wrote was, there's always two ways of looking at life. You being inside a circle, looking outside, and you being inside the same circle and looking inside. So it is the inward and outward perspectives that were very important for K.S. Maniam. And it was years after that that I actually started writing, probably six or seven years later, and I realized that Writing is pretty much a social activity. Pretty much you are affected by the people who walk in and out of your life. Pretty much you are affected by those who are outside your circle. And whatever happens in the outside circle affects you inside the circle. And within these levels, strata, um, there is a different level of experience. There's a different level of opinions and there's different activities you associate your mind, body, and everything to what is happening around you. Now, when I was when I began to write, KS Maniam came into my mind. And at that time, I was reading The God of Small Things. I was reading V.S. Naipaul, uh, A House for Mr. Biswas. And so I was getting exposed to diaspora, and they became all the more real to me, and two times two. I started putting myself into those shoes of people in diaspora. I started realizing where I am in this universe. I think that was a very important point because after KS Maniam, there were no not many writers who were talking about Indian issues in Malaysia, Indian experiences about their diasporic issues in Malaysia. The layman Indian did not know where they come from, where they were going, why they were here. You know, it is it, uh, it is exactly like what how uh, name uh, sorry K.S. Maniam describes in his stories. After a hard day at work, 
You go to the toddy shop, you drown yourself in toddy and you lament songs of belonging, not knowing where you are. So I think that clicked in me and that clicked in me. And at that time, I think there was a lot of things that was going on in, going on in the Malaysian Indian community. Gangsterism, poverty, all right, education, lack of education and things like that. And it was becoming a national issue, politically, socially, uh, and whatnot. So that is when I thought, okay, probably I have to start writing. I have to say something. I have to carry voices, all right? And that is how I began in 2006 and began writing or advocating the voice of marginalization and probably a lot of other issues that come into it. For me, writing is simply a, a social activity that whether we like it or not, it, it is dynamic, it's all around us, and it is so important that the person being inside the circle bring out these stories. Okay. And, you know, you talk about uh, that sense of uh, a particular community, an ethnic community. Um, with regards to Danielle, mm -hmm. when she goes into her stories, it's about relationships, about families, about mm -hmm. things that happen in the stories where sometimes the most uh, interesting uh, insights are provided in terms of how relationships might work or might not work. Um, so therefore, it's very interesting how the both of you uh, use your psyches in response to, I feel, in response to uh, things that are happening around you. And then you project a particular world or a particular uh, situation um, that brings to mind the intricacies of uh, living, right? Danielle, um, your first book was about mental health. Okay, so you wrote two novels before you wrote this collection of uh, of uh, uh, short stories, okay? And yeah. what is interesting is that usually writers start, you know, launch their careers with a collection of short stories, then go into novels. So you kind of like went the other way around. And um, how do you think that affected your ability to handle short stories, perhaps maybe better than somebody who starts with short stories going into novels? How did writing novels prepare you for this anthology? Um, well, actually, I'm not sure whether it did prepare me or not because uh, I, I, along the way, even when my first book was being published, I was already starting to write uh, one or two short stories. Uh, it's been a constant learning process for me uh, so in this collection, uh, some of the stories were actually, they, they were written many years back, uh, even in 2014, before my yes. first book was published. Uh, and of course, over the years, I refined them uh, a little bit, I fine-tuned them. Uh, whether writing long works has helped or has hindered, I think it's, it's both, because... Mm -hmm. um, they are quite different, and uh, you know, in in a in a long work, you uh, the challenges are, are different. Actually, I find writing long works more difficult uh, because you know to to carry the 
the whole story through. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like you know, and like sixty thousand words, and by by the time you're in the middle, you you forgot uh, what happened at the beginning, <laughs> and um, I had you know I had in my second book I had one character who started talking when um, she was supposed to have I think died or something, you know that kind of thing. So for short stories, it's really um, like um, it has to be a lot more compact, right? And in a way, it, it suits me because uh, even when I was a teenager, my writing tends to be more succinct, more concise. Right, I, yes. And I think it comes out even in my long works because my long works are not very long. <laughs> uh, my memoir, my, uh, my, my second book, which is a novel, I have uh, a fourth Trafalgar book coming Square. out. Yeah. Um, Trafalgar mm-hmm. Sunrise. Book. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have... Trafalgar Sunrise. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. Uh, even my husband just said Trafalgar Square. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. key getting it all mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so uh, my fourth book is, again, a novel. Uh, but it's, it's again, it's like uh, below 60,000 words. So um, I think... Ultimately, writing for me across genres, it, it's really, you know, um, it's very instinctive for me. I, I find it sometimes difficult to uh, kind of uh, put it in a very logical way because mm-hmm. I think as a writer, you have to feel the flow of your story. Yes. Mm-hmm. And feel the rhythm, you know, is it going too slowly and you're boring the reader? Or, you know, is it um, too intense yeah, yeah. and you have to slow down? It's, you have to feel these things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, okay, cool. You know, yeah. Okay. So, and Paul, um, you started writing in 2005 by sending letters to the newspaper. Okay. Uh, was that kind of like, um, you know, an interesting, uh, you know, first move? Like, okay, I want to be a writer, but maybe I should see if uh, my writing lands. And so you choose letters to the editor as a way. Is that how it started? I was testing the waters and yeah, I was okay. sending in opinion pieces on education to the staff. And okay. um, it worked. I mean, if it is, when, mm-hmm. when you get published, it's an automatic button that tells you, yeah, it's working. And then I went on further to write uh, real-life stories, but they are stories. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I started writing to Heart and Soul in the Star as well, to the Heart and Soul section. Okay, yes. And I got Mm -hmm. two articles um, being published and they became quite popular. And then I went on to writing short stories. In fact, the first short story that I wrote was an oral flick. Um, not really a ghost Doi. oral that, flick, but an indirectly one. Yes, Doi. That was published under Karen and Becerra's uh, anthology, uh, Write Out Loud. I think that right. was, in fact, one of the first anthologies, uh, indie anthologies that was published in Malaysia in 2006. Um, so from then on, um, I started taking writing more seriously, short stories more seriously. Mm-hmm. And, then I went, and then I went on to publish in Asiatic, an international journal, and then mm-hmm. two ju- two anthologies came up. Uh, Amir Muhammad's um, uh, Body to Body anthology. Yes. And yeah. also MPH's Urban Odysseys. So that kind of set 
that gave me an identity that I like writing and I can write and I like to tell short mm-hmm. stories. Um, after that, I yeah, did okay. write a novel mm-hmm. of an 80,000 word, but I can't turn around. I can't turn and look back at the novel because I know that it has never been developed. Uh, probably I want to add something that Daniel says that I think, again, it depends on your mind works because writing is pretty psycholo- psychological, it's cognitive. Yes. So what happens mm-hmm. is um, when I'm concentrating on short stories, I can't do the novel. And when I'm doing the novel, I can't write short, concentrated short stories. Now, the same thing occurred 10 years later when I started my PhD. When I was actually going into thesis writing, academic writing, my supervisor started complaining me, you're not telling me short stories here, Mr. Paul. If you want a PhD, you better write a thesis. So I felt that (laughs) I had to switch off, but I was able to actually write poetry. And I was actually okay. publishing poetry at that time in the in the five, six years that I was doing my PhD. Right. So I think in a way, linguistically, your mind needs conditioning. Um, right. um, I really don't know how people can actually write a short story this month and then go into their novel next month. Like what Daniel says, I think there should be some consistency with that. Yeah, that you have to balance and all that. So I have dabbled with all three genres. And for mm-hmm. the time being, I feel that my genre fits into the short story fiction. So, and therefore, the next the next uh, piece of work that's coming out from you, Danielle, um, uh, would be a, a novel or a collection of short stories? It After... would be a novel. It's a novel. Okay. And Softly yeah. Go the Crossings, which I will hold up here, right, is a collection of short stories, which is your third publication, correct? It's true. And right. yep, and um, after the first two kind of like was uh, a- a- awarded, um, uh, it was uh, the sound of SCH, right? Was winner of the Singapore Lit Prize for nonfiction, and it was about mental illness uh, in the uh, nonfiction uh, genre. And uh, the second one, Trafalgar, um, uh, finalist for Singapore Book Awards Best Lit Work, but this one, and softly go the crossings. Winner, both book of the year as well as best lit work, literary work. Okay, and uh, how in one of the interviews you said you didn't expect it to to win the uh, the the prize. Um, why did you not expect it to win the prize? Uh, w- apart from modesty itself, did you think it didn't fit into the uh, into the uh, you know the what would be winnable? Would you like to share? Yeah. Um... Of course, I, I hope to win the best literary work, uh, but the book of the uh, book of the year award, uh, I, yeah, I kind of didn't expect that. I think um, it's probably also social context because in Singapore, uh, the type of writing that's popular has not been my type of writing. That's that's. Uh, you know, in describe your describe your type of writing. Oh, my type of writing. Um, okay, uh, yeah. there's this quote here. Maybe this might prompt you. Okay, um, human suffering is the core of all my writing. Is that the reason? Okay, and then you also say, right? Your writing is a search for beauty and hope. 
Okay. You wanted to say something in response? Please do. Yeah, it's um, it's a very emotional search for me. So, uh, it it's really, in a way, very soulful and very spiritual. Uh, this this search and uh, the question of uh, suffering, uh, you know, human suffering has has always bothered me, and so that's why in my writing I. I, I need to journey through that suffering. And uh, when I do that, I have to search for beauty or hope because, well, how do we take a step forward, right? If if it's it's just all bad and, and all difficult and all dark, you know, we, we have to search and see some hope or some beauty. And I think Singapore... The, the type of writing, uh, other than international bestsellers, which, you know, Singaporeans tend to just read uh, mostly international bestsellers, uh, the local works um, maybe tend to be more trendy. Uh, so like Crazy Rich Asians, you know, it's a lot more fun and, and energizing and, oh, yeah, high society and all that, right? Uh, so that kind of thing. So you know the what I write about may not have um kind of uh, immediate appeal, perhaps. The introspection you feel is not a, a a huge attraction. Is that is that correct to say that? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah, but well, let me tell you something. I mean, like when I read your stories, yes, there is uh you know the 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 human suffering, the struggles is very poignant and uh, heart wrenching often. Um, but uh, most of the stories kind of like at the end, there's a, you see a glimmer of hope. There is, so there's that beautiful touch, you know? So it's like, a, it's like, it's like running a mile, you know, you, you struggle to complete the mile, but at the end of the distance, you know, you feel you have achieved something. So that's how I've, you know, it's, it's, it's like a great, how should I say, psychological workout, uh, mental, uh, an emotional workout for the reader. So I like that about. Uh, would you like to respond to that? Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm so glad that you you feel that way about my stories. That's exactly what I seek to do in my writing. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, That's, even as you probe the unseen changes in the minds and hearts and psyche of your the characters that you create, even the reader is going on the journey with you and then becoming aware of uh, how we might feel about certain things. So that. So that. Resonance is quite powerful in a quiet way. So you know, I, I kind of like come back to that, to that, uh, to that quote by in Straits Times, "Quiet book." Um, it's a quiet book, but boy, does it pack a punch. So thank you for that. And moving over to Paul, right? Uh, your book, "The Elephant Trophy and Other Stories," right? Um, what I find about it is that it captures uh, Malaysiana through India, the Indian lens in a most amazingly, um, how shall I say, accurate and candid way. And you mentioned that uh, you were inspired by, in a far country, by Gias Maniam. If I may quote you, it shook me. It helped me discover how to connect with my internal and external world. It shook me. And early on, you mentioned, yeah, Gias Maniam, okay, uh, in a far country. Um, which other writers also inspired you? 
Mm, okay. Um, definitely, if I'm talking about diaspora, this Naipaul affected me, all right? Especially mm -hmm. his uh, house for Mr. Biswas and yeah. uh, some of his travel writing, all right? Yeah. Um, Arundhati Roy, through the God of Small Things, I think it was a very big piece, yeah, in a way. Um, um, Jumpa Lahiri, the interpreter of melodies. I think these are some of the people who have... I started off reading them after university and they kind of actually gave me the, the, the breathed life into my storytelling uh, life, I feel. right. And, um, and I've actually finished all three books by K.S. Manian. And I really find that... I think that placement and that dis the idea between placements and displacements. Mm, okay. I, I think at one point, the literary world was frowning at Arundhati Roy's English, <laughs> her style of writing. All right. I think at that one point, I think uh, the world was frowning at Arundhati Roy because of her Indianizing uh, of her writing, especially with structures and words. Her expressions were very, very Indianized, you know. But it didn't work for me in Malaysia. So here there are editors who are throwing back work at me and saying, hey, can you please write in proper English? No dangling modif right. modifiers and no long-winded sentences and things like that. So I kind of like learned a lot from that. And mm -hmm. you probably have learned the conventions of short story writings as well. So the language part right. comes in and sound grammar sound grammar comes in and things like that. So probably those things affected my style of writing. So what works in literary fiction world probably did not work in this part of the world. Okay, good. I'm going to ask you, uh, 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 both of you, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the, in terms of, uh, the social life aspect, you know, psyche and the social life, connecting the psyche and the social life, the social self, right? Um, how is this current environment with everybody's social uh, selves being very upfront through social media, right? Um, is, has, has, has social media by its very nature um, helped you or prompted you or irritated you or annoyed you um, uh, in terms of your writing uh, habits, um, does it? Do you are you? Do you feel facilitated by the onslaught of people's confessions and anger and you know opinions? You know, lots of opinions coming through. How does it affect you uh, in terms of your writing? The exposure to this new kind of uh, environment where social media is upfront, Danielle. Are you a social, are you on social media and 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 how how much of an impact does it play on you as a writer? Well, I'm I'm on social media by necessity. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you used the word just now about you know irritating and and frankly, to be honest, uh, I find social media uh, there's too much chatter sometimes. It's it's very noisy. It's it has its advantages, right? It enables people to uh, share their thoughts and opinions and to have discussions uh, more freely than um, you know it otherwise would be. Uh, but maybe what I'm saying is, in terms of uh, 
writing, uh, or my writing, um, I I tend not to, uh, you know, look to social media so much, uh, because to me it's an it's an outreach. But uh, I suppose it's because of the way I write, uh, you know, the uh, my type of uh, reflective writing. So it's um, yeah, it's something that I have had to get used to, um, have to, to live with. Uh, you know, when I, I go onto Instagram or Facebook, there's just so much. I, I don't know how anyone can keep up with uh, <laughs> We're all so struggling. Much. <laughs> we are all struggling, believe me. <laughs> and yes, I mean, like, I kind of like, I kind of like expected you to say that because, you know, of course, Danielle would, the writer that she is, would like for there to be more, um, you know, introspection, you know, uh, 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 with regard, when, in response to the world around us, right? Because that's yes. what comes true in your writing. And that was, that's the power for me of your writing. It's wonderful. And what about you, Paul? I don't know whether you heard my question, but uh, how has it affected or does it have any effects on how you, you write? Um, do you, do you, does it inspire you? Does it annoy you? Um, does, it, does it feed you with uh, creative prompts? Um, does it really make you feel exasperated because um, it's fast, furious, and there's no circumspection to, you know, whatever is going on? Social media and the writer, I think it is important. It keeps you abreast with issues. Okay. With, with the development of things, development of issues. And sometimes, for the fun of it, I try to read threads on Facebook and all that. And, and, I, and I sometimes get a culture shock. Sometimes I get every other shock that is available. But I think it exposes you to what human beings are capable of saying and doing to each other. Right. So in a way, I think it feeds into uh, a lot of my assumptions, uh, a lot of my directions in my writing. Mm -hmm. But probably social media for me, number one, it helps me to research. And number two, uh, it helps me to keep in touch with my readers. Or probably I know what is happening with the other writers. Um, yeah. I do not really involve myself. So it plays a part. It plays with too much of it. <laughs> too much of it, yeah. Yeah, not too much of it. Yeah. But I, I probably think you have to judge what is right and wrong. Yeah. And how much is enough is enough. Uh, okay. Yeah. So for both of you, uh, first, Danielle, is writing for you an escape or an exploration? Okay. Yeah, I found this question quite interesting. And, and as I was thinking of it, you know, um, at times uh, I started off uh, as an escape. So like my new novel that's coming up was written last year during uh, the, the COVID uh, pandemic, okay, when, when we yes. were all in lockdowns and all that. So it was actually... Uh, it started as an escape, uh, you know, to to from a, to a different world, but then it became an exploration. You know, along the way, uh, I started to explore and probe how, uh, through my story, uh, the elements of nature uh, came into play in, in the life of the protagonist. Uh, I started to explore the historical events uh, which uh, ran through my story. Um, and 
some of my short stories, for example, could have started as an exploration. But then uh, as I went into the story, it became an escape. So, yeah. <laughs> an escape from what? An escape from standing still? Um, I, yeah, I guess uh, maybe <laughs> some insights as to... Uh, okay, so what's wrong here? And, and maybe how... Can I go the know, other way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. I, I, I mean, it's very interesting, interesting how it starts as an exploration then as an escape. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Paul, escape or exploration? You're cheating because you heard Danielle's, but you know. <laughs> 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 um, all right. For me, I think I started off I think it was more, it was a lot of exploration. And I think and it was basically a learning process for me. And then I realized that I wanted to write because I have a mission. I want to tell certain things. I want to bring out certain messages, right? So probably I think when I write, and that is why I confront social issues and I write slice of life uh, short stories. So I'm more interested in the experienced, lived uh, life experiences of people, right? Uh, not only Indians. I think two, three years ago, I've actually moved out and I was also looking at Malaysians as a whole, all right? It's, it's, it's the whole idea of how you relate to the universe, to the world around you and things like that. So for me, it's more of dabbling between exploration and mission. Um, that is how I, find po I found poetry as well. Okay, so I, 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 if, if, if you may allow me, um, this sense of mission uh, to bring voice to the Indian diaspora in Malaysia, right? Um, could we say that that's kind of like, like an escape because you have, you have an outcome that you wish for and that's where you head towards. Would you agree with that? That it's kind of like uh, trying to figure out a way out of this situation. Um, so your mission is like an escape, right? And when you have this mission, what kind of discoveries, you know, um, in this escape, in this, that, and so becomes an exploration, right? What kind of discoveries did you, you know, uh, arrive at? Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely feel that there's a, there's a huge difference between the younger generation and the older generation between contemporary voices and the modern voices. And I increasingly find that opinions are changing. And I, I find that young people don't think like me or the older people don't think like me either. So it's very So it's, it's, for me, it's a challenge to find a balance. So what I do in a lot of my writing is I highlight issues and basically I allow the reader to interpret and come up with an answer. And whatever answers that they come up with, there is always a solution for betterment. I suspect that that, that would be good because at the end of the day, the reader is an individual and the reader connects through his psyche and his experience and opinions. His worldview comes into play, right? Because we are all distinct individuals yep, yep. at the end of the day. So I keep it open in most of my stories, whether mm -hmm. they are utopian, dystopian, all right? and um, so I have a lot of people who actually come up and tell me, look, I've never thought it this way. I've never thought it that way. 
oh, I could have done it this way. So I think probably that is what my writing does to these voices. Okay. Um, thank you for that. And um, Danielle, um, you know, when I asked you which was your favorite story you, you mentioned in, in the collection, uh, you mentioned the first one. And uh, um, you did explain it to me, but I'd like for the listener to hear um, from you why, uh, why not the first one, sorry, Hongi, uh, the, uh, the short story called Hongi is your favorite short story. You did explain to me um, why you felt so, um, but I'd like for the listener to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Vernon. I think um, actually Hongi, the word, is it refers to you know the Maori um, tradition of um, connecting uh, when they greet right they, they rub the noses and there's uh, an exchange of the breath the, the breathing right the, which is called the uh, you know the, the breath of life and, and so this whole um, Hongi, which is you know people often misunderstand as a name it's, it's actually not the name so it's re- it really um encapsulates this the need to connect uh with people and in particular uh the need to have this connection between uh parent and child whether it's father son father daughter and so on uh but i i did uh kind of feel that it's you know this relationship between parent and child it's so universal. I mean, every one of us is in this relationship. And uh, it's so important because it really forms us. It, it makes us who we are to a large extent, uh, consciously and unconsciously, subconsciously. Uh, and it's often very difficult because uh, unlike other relationships, this is you know we are we are given we are born to our parents and it's not like you can choose you know uh, to not have that kind of relationship so yeah that kind of uh prompted me to explore this and and so i that that's why i felt that perhaps a lot of people can relate to the story and uh the feedback that I get when people have um, read my book and uh, quite a lot of people seem to be able to connect with uh, this story, Hongi. Yeah, it's very interesting because it's uh, uh, seen from the point of view of, uh, of Damien Lee, who is a male character, a male character in this, you know, his point of view, right? Um, and you're a female, right? And what's interesting is this boss lady, the CEO, um, is a boss lady, is a female, you know. And so there's this very interesting um, gender kind of like issues that kind of like bubble up a little bit um, uh, when I when I read the book. Thinking so, so when you when you when you write um, in the headspace of uh, somebody completely different from you, um, what do you reach for? Uh, what is your preparation? Well, I think it's both uh, research in terms of, um, you know, factual kind of uh, research, academic research on the the parent-child relationship and mm-hmm. lived experience because mm-hmm. uh, 
I mean, we all know people of the opposite gender. I'm married. I have a father. I have children. I have two sons and a daughter. And it's really been a growing process, a learning process, trying to understand uh, mm-hmm. the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, so my writing kind of, uh, you know, comes from all, all that. Curiosity. It comes from curiosity. Would you say that? Uh, like, I if I was a man, how would I, how would I deal with this? Yeah, I suppose you could say that. Yeah. Okay, and uh, and I'm Paul. To Paul, your favorite story you mentioned was to the Chorama. Okay, and uh, in this, it's an omniscient point of view, um, but. Um, it is inclined towards some being sympathetic um, with the with the uh, uh, Indian lady, um, and uh, uh, it's very interesting uh, how uh, you know the, the the racial the socioeconomic uh, um, situation kind of like bubbles beneath the surface of the the kind of tensions that go on. Um, can you tell us the process? I mean, like you know, to to to, to create those kinds of uh, those kinds of confrontations or those kinds of relationships or those kinds of, uh, you know, uh, tensions, you know, uh, it, does it come from memory? Um, th- did that come from your own experiences? I think a little bit of our own experiences are always uh, in our stories, whether we like it or not. Right. And I think uh, to, to the Charama is pretty much uh, reflective of the political mm-hmm. Uh, dispersion of economical power to the different races in Malaysia. Yes. All right. And uh, this, of course, this is this has been ongoing. It has been on every Malaysian's mind. You open up social media, it's there, and everybody talks about it. And I am just crying out to somebody out there to say that, hey, I need help as well. All right, so 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 probably this is a utopian uh, context, hoping for better treatment, fair treatment, in a very political way, and in fact, the worm that is eating into the protagonist's son's tummy is pretty much the political yes. effects that we are facing mm-hmm. 60, 70 years of the Dasa Economy Baru, the National Economic Plan. And what better way to bring this up rather than fiction stories, right? And uh, definitely, this is something that is all in our psyche, in us. Yes. And the human need to cry out, to be fairly treated, to be equal, and I don't know, probably on even standing. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Paul. So uh, we're coming to the end of uh, the session. Uh, one final question for both of you. And I think um, this question might have shocked you a little bit, but I want to see what your response is. Is acting, uh, sorry, is writing an act of trauma dumping? Is writing an act of, well, trauma dumping might be too dramatic, uh, it, but is it like trauma venting, trauma, write, trauma, trauma dumping? Okay, because trauma dumping is, is a big, is a term that is being used very often these days with social media and stuff like that. Um, so is writing an act of trauma venting or trauma dumping? Yes or no? It's not, it's not one or the other, but, you know, I think you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Danielle? Uh, I think for some people, it seems to be. Uh, 
I mean, I I feel that if we are talking about literature, uh, then it's a bit different. So there are many different types of writing, right? Uh, so some forms of writing could be uh, really, yeah, trauma dumping. But uh, if we are talking about uh, fiction or, you know, literature in general, I suppose it's got to go beyond personal trauma. It's got to go beyond the self uh, to have some universality, uh, you know, if it's really to be called literature. Because, uh, I mean, if it's trauma dumping, then I, I think everyone would have like, what, 10 books to our name? I think it's going to be very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> For the reader, especially. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like in terms of the glimmer of hope or the, or the suggestion of a solution, uh, both, of your, both of you, you know, provide short stories that do that kind of thing. That glimmer of hope um, in, in, in a world that's so challenging and, you know, poses such struggles time and again. Uh, both of you provide a glimmer of hope and a possible solution. And I think that's wonderful. Um, yeah, so on that note, um, um, I'll bring this session to a close. Thank you so much for joining me here uh, on the Georgetown Literary Festival 2021 uh, session, which is, um, which is Doors of Perception. You've helped open some doors of perception. Um, you know, the title is Doors of Perception, Writing the Psyche and Social Self. Thank you so much for sharing, um, uh, you know, your processes, uh, your opinions and stuff like that. Um, Daniel Lim and Paul Nana Selvam, thank you so much. See you again soon. Hope to meet up in real life. Um, yeah, so that I can buy you a meal or something. Thanks oh, so much. Yes, thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Bye-bye, Daniel. Bye, Vernon. Thank you. You're a great host.